Oh, I love Lauren. I love the show. We're big fans here down in Australia. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm your professional voiceover artist that Alex couldn't afford to pay. Instead, he's asked a friend, and I'm that friend, and he's very lucky to have me. You're lucky because on today's episode, it's the movie Annex. A married couple looking for a reason to argue in front of people even when they're home alone. That's cute and fucked up. You're listening to Landline. All right, welcome back. Part two, I, Tanya, dinner and a movie annex with Alex. And Anna. <laughs> so glad to have you back, Landline Podcast. Remember, call Landline 503-894-8480. Tell a friend, spread the word, subscribe to the show, give a review. Follow me on Yelp. It's my big social media account. And watch the Olympics. I've got to be honest. There's a lot going on right this second. Yeah. Let me lay it out for those of you listening at home. Women's downhill on our 80 million inch TV. That's right. A beautiful snowstorm in Portland, Oregon. So nice. So wintry. Um, that's it. But it's it's a lot. <laughs> Well, that's not all that's going on. For those of you who didn't hear our first episode of I, Tanya, you should go back and listen. We went to Applebee's. We had a great time, but we had a bunch of things that made us feel that we were in the center of the Tanya Harding universe. Those things were, in order of importance, number one. The Olympics. Number two. Portland, Oregon. Number three. I had just had foot surgery. <laughs> For ice skating. Very important. Number four. We dressed up as the ensemble of the 1994 dramatic events. For Halloween the, in 2012. The Olympic assault and battery. We dressed up as the whole team. Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan, Oksana Bayul, and Jeff Galuli. And, and somebody was a drag. Number five. Oh, I don't remember. The mall where we went and watched the show has an indoor skating rink at it that Tanya Harding was known to skate at. That's right. And I'm going to now add number six. Oh. That we're watching the Olympics tonight. I know you said Olympics, but it's like it's even. Oh, no. We forgot number six. Number six is that you have a professional relationship with a woman in That's Portland right. who skates with Tanya Harding. That's right. So that's where we're going to open up right there. Before we go directly into the movie, we left you at Applebee's. We sauntered over through the mall, tell you about the mall, tell you about the movie theater. We sat down to watch I, Tanya. But we're going to do our first iteration of the inside scoop with Anna. I thought we were calling this six degrees of separation. Okay, six degrees of separation with Anna. So I fancy myself a pretty legit networker in this world. Oh, you want to get the World Wildlife Fund to invest in your 
startup. I know someone on the board. That kind of thing. I don't. That's by what the way. they do. The World Wildlife <laughs> Fund. For those of you who don't know, <laughs> they invest in startups. It's like if you're a cheetah in Niger, and on one side of the coin you've got the American-led commandos coming in on your territory, and on the other side you've got drought and global warming. You call the World Wildlife Wildlife Fund, and they'll fund like a water truck that can for a go, penny a day that can go around to the cheetahs anyways you can invest in a cheetah startup anyway so long story short just kidding my um six degrees of separation here are actually my six degrees of separation to tanya harding is actually only one degree of separation which i'm proud of i met a woman through my work I'm gonna leave it vague that skates at Clackamas Town Center along with the other she's like on a 55 plus skate team and apparently a couple few months ago this dark horse showed up and was just skating on her own and my friend Julie was like who is that woman and went to to say hi in the locker room after the sesh and it turns out it was Tanya fucking Harding y'all the end of the movie we saw explains that she's now a landscaper in the area so God bless her clearly getting some skating in so the only other element of that story I think you need to tell I'll get there I'll get there okay so this woman Julia is julie i don't really know if it's julia or julie but she old friends we are like we go way back like two or three weeks she was approached by tanya because she does the costumes for the 55 plus skate team to design her premiere dress for i tanya wow yeah so the interesting thing about this is that just so everyone knows i tanya is a fictional movie but tanya harding obviously signed some paperwork to get her in and they had her come to the premiere it's not a documentary so that's why tanya was invited and she as one does had to get a good outfit together for the red carpet that's right and tanya went to julie and said i want my costume to be pink and camo which is a big redneck decision. And I think that's a big fashion challenge. Well, that's what I. Yeah. So. So God bless Julie. She's a great designer. She brought a prototype, but apparently Dodie, the coach, said, Tanya, this is too trashy. People are going to take this opportunity to make fun of you. You can't do a camo dress. Again, you missed a major point of this story, which is that Julie sews and does costume design, correct? I already said that. She does the she designs the costumes for the 55 plus women's. Gotcha. Sorry. Should we start over? No, we're not starting over. So, um Dodie is the same coach that was in the movie, do you I think? I believe so. Wow, so she's I think it on. might be the second coach, but we can we're, we won't get into those weeds, but I think there have been a couple of major coaches in Tanya's life. And one of the ones from the past is still in, involved and blah, blah, blah. All right. So Tanya Harding, I, Tanya. Let's I just want to end it by saying they designed a dress that had peaks of camo. 
to honor what Tanya wanted and P I Q U E S and you know she was able to hold on to a little bit of her own vibe um while uh also acquiescing to the ideas that you know maybe a full on camo dress at a Hollywood premiere was a little bit on the nose I feel like for her marketing career full camo probably was the right move no I mean I like I wish she could have worn what she wanted but it's kind of one of those things where you think you're gonna feel badass but then you show up and everyone else looks a certain way and you look a different way and it's suddenly like all the wind is sucked out of your balloon so (laughs) that's a new saying I I think that her coaches have always just had her best intentions in mind. I would like to see all the iterations of pink camo being worn in public events. Certainly something that could be counted on two hands. In- well, Christina Aguilera probably held down the, the early aughts with quite a bit of pink camo, but who knows? Well, Tanya Harding, if you're out there listening, which maybe you will, honestly, Hmm. this could be the first subject of one of our movie annexes that listens. I I mean, if you're landscaping in Clackamas County, Oregon, I feel like Hmm. our podcast is perfect. That should be the goal of this podcast. To get Tanya to listen. And to call in to Landline. Tanya, if you're listening, 503, you know the area code. You live in the area. (laughs) 894-8480. Tanya, we love you. That I don't. So, something oh. good that we can uh, disagree on. A divergence of opinion. Something new for the, the movie Annex. So that was Six Degrees with Anna. We can't wait to hear the next one. Okay. So we got to the movies. We went to the snack bar. We sat down. We're going to get back to that. The movie started. We want to get to the movie for the loyal listeners. I think they've been waiting long enough. We, we've been stroking the shaft for so long, and now we kind of just got to get there. So... The movie starts, and it's something I've never seen before in a movie, which is a not a mockumentary, not a documentary, a reenactumentary. Mm. Basically, this movie very clearly on in a subtitle tells you, in an intertitle rather, that it is going to be based on actual interviews. So the first shot or the second shot is Tanya's mom, played by Allison Janney, and Tanya, who's played by Margot Robbie, who you might know from uh, Wolf of Wall Street or from the big short where she's in the bathtub with a bottle of champagne and bubble bath. And she was probably oh, she was in a Will Smith movie where they played some sort of, I don't know, international robot or something like that. Anyways, she plays Tanya. She's got this insane short haircut that. How do, how do we describe this haircut? It's so 80s. Before I get to the haircut, the point is this. They are acting out a documentary that also has all these live, live action scenes. And I felt that to be super effective, super interesting. The thing about documentary style, if we can call it that, the documentary family, is you know that you're going to hear a narrative story. And that's kind of a comforting, old-fashioned uncovering of, of you know... The narrative and that's easy to follow and you know there's going to be a a beginning a middle and an end and you might not have to uncover anything it's not going to be a mystery so i don't know what did you think of that style i found it to be very engaging and on on a besides just being a historical 
piece and you know a semi-comedy semi-drama semi-thriller it also had this new element of this is a different piece of filmmaking which is kind of hard to accomplish it's super hard to accomplish and something that came to me just now is although novel in the movie world or at least the mainstream movie world it is a comfortable easy format for anyone who's ever watched reality television which is kind of the confessional so we had this interesting juxtaposition of watching events unfold and then breaking that wall and getting to see um the perspectives of the participants in in real time which was super i mean it just is an amazing way to condense information and make something interesting. I wish we could have seen, well, at the very end of the movie, as they always do, they showed the original documentary footage for a very short time next to the titles. Clearly, did you do any uncovering of how all this came to pass? I didn't. We didn't do any research for this one. Somebody came upon those those tapes and was oh, like, I think the, holy shit, no, we, this is a gold mine. I thought that... I mean, this is all speculation, but I figured that the filmmakers were the ones that interviewed everybody. Gotcha. Okay. So they did they did the interviews and then they made the movie on them. Except perhaps Sean, the gentleman who is really the cornerstone of all of this batshit crazy events that unfolded. So for all those of you who don't know, Tanya Harding captivated the nation on the same level as OJ or Andrew Cunanan, anyone watching FX on demand the last few weeks. Um, it was a national insane story on hard copy, on television news, stuff that seems so... Wait, wait, wait. Let me refresh anyone's memory for those who might have forgotten why 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 okay now i'll try why 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 wow Dude, did she do three in a row oh it's definitely three in a row that is seems like so, that's nancy kerrigan by the way tanya harding <laughs> didn't do that i'm sure people at drunk at like trivia bar night will sometimes be like, oh, oh yeah, Tanya How many Harding's, whys? Tanya Harding's why? What? No, but more like, oh, is Tanya Harding yelled why, right? Because everyone gets their like brain scrambled. So Tanya Harding would never yell why. Who? It seems in a world where everything is so staged and so watched and so Instagrammed that that almost seems disingenuous. Like she said why as if she was like doing the right thing for the cameras. That probably really was her fundamental reaction of to getting no. in the knee with an expandable baton. Right after walking off the ice of some kind of pre-Olympic qualifying event. Like, it would fucking suck if that was you. I would say why. I knew very little going into this movie. And I didn't know what the movie would ultimately do with Tanya. But it pays off in terms of telling the story of the thing everybody wants to know about. In the beginning, it seems like, okay, it's a biopic on her, but it really all all roads do lead to the collapsible baton striking Nancy Kerrigan just above the knee in Detroit right before the national championships. Going back to Tanya's hair. So the, inter <laughs> the, the, the interviews that are most satisfying are with Tanya, 
with Jeff Galuli, who was her boyfriend, then husband, then ex-husband. He's at a hair salon. Tanya's like at her trashy suburban house. Sorry, Tanya. You know who you are. And then Allison Janney, who you all know as CJ, the press secretary from the West Wing, is her mother. And she's doing her interview with an oxygen tank. And a parakeet. And a parakeet who's like eating out of her ear, but that she's abusing because her entire character role is of abuse. She abuses Tanya in the beginning when Tanya's a three-year-old. She abuses Tanya when she's a teenager. She abuses Tanya when she's Olympian. She abuses Tanya when she falls from grace. She abuses Tanya in the movie, and she abuses this parakeet during... For Tanya Harding's mother, abuse is love, which is pretty fucked up, but... So these hairstyles, and then let's get into the abuse. Sometimes there's a hairstyle you see that you, or anything, a dress, a t-shirt, a, you know, a way of doing something, a style from the past. It was, okay. That doesn't come back. There are things that we know are going to be recycled, baggy jeans, tight jeans, baggy jeans, tight jeans, big sunglasses, little sunglasses, you know, Oakley's, and then Ray-Bans, and then the giant Gucci Anna Wintour and then back to Oakley wraparounds. This hairstyle will never come back. And it's it, the Kimmy Gibbler. <laughs> it is the Kimmy Gibbler. But did Kimmy Gibbler like completely cut it off? Like she was going through a car wash and then right at the end when she got the blow dry and the like thing was going to kind of blow all the rivulets of water <laughs> off her head. There was actually a giant guillotine that chopped off everything into sort of like a ducktail. Okay, so what is for those that? of you at home, we're talking tight toy poodle perm, two inch bangs that don't fall gracefully across your forehead, but rather stick out perpendicularly from your from your hairline. Um, what else? It's a bob. It's it's in a tight pigtail it is it's it is not sexy or feminine but it was very popular in the 1980s it's a used car salesman's haircut from a phoenix strip mall what on a woman yeah that's what i think in the 80s okay that's what i'm saying it's like that it's like in boogie nights the third skinny guy with a mustache with blown back hair and a gold chain had that haircut okay so the one place that that haircut would could come back is portland oregon that's like we've seen the john lennon glasses maybe come i back. should get that haircut well can you do it though i mean this is a thing that i'm so amazed by is how did they even do that without having to be were they in the bathroom did they have to go back to the salon every hour Every no, a day. permanent, a perm is short for permanent. Talk to me about perms. Let's get in. Can we get someone a perm? Can we? Heather is to, like told me she would give me a perm before. Heather is your sister-in-law, and she's also your uh, salon artist. So she's my stylist. Okay, so t- just talk. To, what happens with a perm? Is there? A, okay, well, full disclosure. Landline does hair. I have never gotten a perm. They were falling out of fashion by the time I had agency around my own hairstyle choices but from what i understand perm is short for permanent you essentially curl up your hair and you treat it with a really intense chemical at the salon and you keep it the chemical on your head for three days 
And at the end of those three days, you wash your hair. What are you doing in the three days? You've got it in your hair. Just, I, I don't know. You that. can't see or it's in a bag or you're living in no, the basement. I think the wands are taken out of your hair while it's still at the salon. But yeah, your hair gets like crazy greasy. Hey, mom, if you're listening, call the landline 503-894-8480 and tell me what a perm is. <laughs> Linda has never had a perm. Who do you know who's had a perm? A chick I went to uh, high school with who was, you know, pretty fashion forward, had a perm. And the story with the perms is you it's always tighter than you want it to be. So tightness refers to the kink and curl of the perm ideal perm would be sexy beach hair so that stick straight hair people like myself could have volume body curl everything someone like me whose hair cannot hold a single shape for more than an hour would crave but if you grow up in the south like me or if you grew up in clackamas county like tanya harding there is just some unfortunate disconnect between your desires and wants as a client and the abilities of the stylist who is standing over you in the chair at the salon where I want beach hair. I want to look like Cindy Crawford somehow like if translates pa- to a toy poodle hair. Like if Paul Mitchell himself was doing your perm. Paul Mitchell, it's a bad example. He would never do a perm. Vidal Sassoon? No, Vidal Come Sassoon. Come on, in like 1988 when it's the height of perm That is when culture. Vidal came out of, like Vidal was, Somebody uh, we're in- getting in the weeds, but Vidal was like the counterpoint to the perm. He brought back the architectural bob. Okay, well, can we just go into the gutter of the male brain? But mom? I like that you know who Vidal Sassoon is. Can you, can we go into the gutter of the male brain here? And yeah, pl- let's Play like, along, play along. <laughs> no, this is very important. Because I'm going to tie it back to the perm. This is about the perm. Okay, let's hear it. I want to represent a lot of male point of view in saying, now everyone's different tastes and preferences. I had a whole career in my teenage and early 20 years of only going after women of a certain style that was in my box, unfortunately. And I was not in their box as a result. That's what she said. <laughs> and so <laughs> there basically this all gets back to I think we've played who you who would you rather before on the movie Annex. So let's play a little who would you rather. Okay, I'm here. Who would you rather? Margot Robbie with a perm and braces playing Tanya Harding in this movie. Or Allison Janney at like her hottest as the press secretary at sort of, you know, a Vir- Northern Virginia politico in uh, 1998. But like, you know, she was probably 43 or something, was looking good, strong, you know, would drink a scotch at the Watergate bar or whatever. Who would you rather? I think it's honestly... Allison Janney is intimidating to me, and I would go for Tanya, who is also an. In- well, I would go for Margot Robbie, I should say. So because she's like this is my sweet and small and hot. Allison Janney's like kind of like an Amazon. Okay, so I wish I had a better version than. Although I think Allison Janney has a big sexual appetite, drive, and appeal to many men, but. I'm not saying she doesn't. Here's the thing, you and you illustrated it by hesitating. The answer is always Margot Robbie. Anyone who's seen Wolf of Wall Street, she takes all of her clothes off. She looks she looks like the 17th hottest person on planet Earth. 
They've put her in big short to be naked in a bubble bath. She's insanely beautiful. But if you give her a perm <laughs> and make her wear basically a sweatshirt that looks like a garbage bag. It's like the she's all that effect. So I missed out on. I mean, I want to go back to all the men who are still single out there or to, you know, my son or to me 10 years ago in my time machine. Respectfully, with the same, you know, uh, with a way better approach to women in general. I wish I could give myself that advice as well. But if you could just look in areas that were off style Maybe not all of the, you know, women or men. I mean, maybe there's a man version of this, and I'd love to hear about it. Always going after the girl or the woman wearing the right hair hairstyle, the right clothes, the right everything for that moment no, in time. I have to, like, You're missing. There might be the best body in your literature class that's hiding. wearing uh, hiding in a turtleneck and overalls and you just you're or and a perm but margot robbie is a perfect example of that she looked ugly at points in this movie and she is so beautiful and so hot in the traditional sense of the word i had my first like serious boyfriend in high school and the first and only person who ever broke up with me broke up with me because you i dated someone before me was basic when I was 16 it's like go figure of course and then he tried to get back with me when I got a cool haircut so he did the opposite it's like he was rejecting a no, ponytail I don't know and I like athletes yeah and I just like illustrate that to be don't beat yourself up 10 years ago you and men everywhere your body responds to who it responds to women get perms because they want to because it's something about th them getting to have more fun with their hair it's not to entice you i get it i'm just saying there's the ali sheedy in the breakfast club and there's the molly ringwald and if you are sort of an alpha male that subscribes to some traditional sense of dating so much time is wasted on the Molly Ringwald when the Ali Sheedy is, in fact, maybe more beautiful and is in the art room and, like, doesn't put a scrunchie in her hair and is wearing, like, weird hip clothes that you don't get yet because you're not evolved and you haven't, like, listened to your sisters talk about fashion. And, like, underneath it all, she's, like, down to fool around. She's fun. She'll teach you how to smoke pot. And her body is sexier. So, like, you're missing out, idiot. Is that a question or? And that's been Who Would You Rather on Landline. <laughs> All right. So back to the movie. Let's talk about the abuse because obviously there's dark sides of the abuse. There's really no light sides of the abuse. Although in this case there were some and that's, a f you know, the fascinating dichotomy. Basically, without telling you how the movie goes, Tanya Harding was a very verbally and physically abused person. Her mother from the beginning was doing stuff that people in the theater were laughing at that I thought was ho horrible. One of the most signifying points is that her mom won't let her go pee because she wants her to keep practicing and she ends up wetting herself on the ice. Um, but in the moments leading up to that, and and you always know in movies, like or maybe you d one always doesn't, we watch enough movies critically and we're snobs about it that you can kind of see where the the car is going to wreck a, a few lines before it happens. People are laughing at her mom, like pouring whiskey into her coffee cup and yelling at her. And clearly something signifying is going to inform the rest of the movie. That's going to be awful. It's going to kind of be the icing on her abusive cake for that first act. And that was a weird moment because it was a question of, 
you know, is this person inherently evil, like on a, you know, Mussolini scale and we need to be against them as a theater or can we laugh at her because she's taking the piss a little bit. But regardless, no pun intended there, regardless, it all ends up with basically Tanya was in some ways, at least in this movie, somebody who let herself be abused in the most simple sense of the word. She fought back instead of running or saying this isn't okay. And maybe it's because she was trapped in her reality. When the abuse moves to her husband, she actually punches him back. So, you know, what is that? And I mean, that's a bad question, but are we supposed to be okay? Is it okay? It's just a very big contrast to the world we live in now where everything is, you know, tell somebody, call somebody, tell a friend. If you see something, say something, call a hotline, hashtag me too. Not to take away from any of that stuff, but she was kind of like, shit, I'm out here on my own. The only way I survive is to like punch this guy back. At one point, didn't she shoot at him or he shot at her? It's a point of contention in the interviews, but. And, and basically, how do you how do you navigate all this stuff? And then she ultimately becomes this fierce competitor out of it all. And so how do I, you... I think that it's not chicken and egg there. I think what she loved and was put on earth to do was to figure skate. And she was in an environment that was extremely contentious. A lot of abuses. Alex just ran through the, the gamut. But she kept her eye on the prize that if I could just get back on the ice, I can have control. That was where she exerted the control in her life. And I think in a cyclical way, the abuse spurred her to the ice. It kept her there. It gave her something to fight for. It gave her context where the reality was that perhaps it was just an instinct to be fierce and to be an ice skater but the trappings of her life gave it meaning do you think people like her sometimes want to be in that abusive cycle in any way i don't really feel comfortable commenting on okay i don't like know that. i mean i don't know the answer i don't have a point of view it's not a rhetorical question it's just no i don't think anyone or you get addicted to it or something like that it's less I don't think anyone would ever want to be abused. I think being in an abusive relationship can be sneaky, um, meaning all of a sudden you realize it and it has something to do with, as you just said, a drama and, and having some sort of action and, and passion and like all the words that could be one thing or could be another is passion the same thing as abusive is uh fiery the same thing as you know um abusive <laughs> like these can are couples the th fight with each other versus one of them f you know beating one of them right you know it's very and it's a gray area there and i guess there's probably and so it can happen physically it can happen verbally it can happen psychologically like just because tanya's a redneck sorry tanya Please keep listening. Well, her neck is red right now. Listening to our podcast, Gardening in the Sun. I mean, that's <laughs> love you, girl. Um, I think that you know, abuse sometimes of a mental capacity is more 
or it's probably more likely to be in our circles, but it's just as likely to be prevalent. Well, changing subjects completely to sort of the lighter side of that, which is loosely connected with the abuse, the the characters besides Tanya and her mom who are so prevalent in this movie are Jeff Galuli, who you all know that name, and his henchman, Sean, who lives in the basement with his mother. Are we calling an expert? Yeah. Yes. Um, now... Let's just remember how this all went. Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding, rivals. Nancy Kerrigan, sort of the white trash, out west, firecracker. Nancy Kerrigan, hardcore pedigree, east coast, skating royalty. They go head to head, and Tanya basically blows it at the previous Olympics and then gets her chance again because the Olympics are only two years later. But... Who 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 crushes Nancy Kerrigan's leg? Everyone thinks it's Jeff Galuli. Not right. only is it not Jeff Galuli, and is it not John Gef- Jeff Jeff Galuli's fat friend who played the role of Tanya Harding's bodyguard? His name is Sean something. And he wears a trench coat, and you can probably remember him like walking down a hall with a light shone on him from the hard copy camera. It's two of his goon friends, and what I love. How a how a cell phone would change the, how a, how the hell a cell phone would change this movie? <laughs> That's a good point. How this how how the hell a cell phone would change this movie? Sean tells his two goon brother friends, who sort of seem like similar characters to those two brothers in Ocean's Eleven, played by Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck, who are like funny and stupid and but get the job done and are always like fighting with each other and they're into incendiary devices yeah so the two so sean the fat friend jeff Galuli's sidekick who lives in his basement sends these two idiots to go beat up nancy kerrigan jeff Galuli doesn't even know about it and tanya harding doesn't even know about it according to this film which is only probably slightly true because all these people are psychos and they're the ones telling the story Anyways, he goes, tells those guys to do it. They drive to Boston to beat the shit out of Nancy Kerrigan, which is just <laughs> insane. Like, what world is this? I kept this is obsessing like over skating. I kept obsessing over the license plate. I was like, what license plate is that? Is that the vintage Oregon license? Anyway, there's a bunch of CCTV footage of the same car in Boston, the same car in Detroit. And I'm like, this thing looks so fucking sketch. So think about this world where they go to Boston and sit in the parking lot for two days and wait for Nancy Kerrigan to find out that she's been in Detroit the whole time. And then they end up driving to Detroit and beat the shit out of her there. The craziest part is that they this is what they did. They got in a car and they just drove to Boston. You know, what would you do with a cell phone? You would have been on Nancy Kerrigan's Twitter feed or Instagram feed and found out exactly where it was. Also, you would have like used Easy Pass to go through all the tolls and everyone would have known where you were. And, you know, these guys are like going by Exxon stations on the side of the road and asking which route to take to go to the Rentham Rice Ice Arena or whatever. So just kind of a crazy world that they live in sans phones with pay phones with people calling each other on Sean's mom's landline. At one Mm -hmm. point there, Jeff and Sean are downstairs in the finished basement where this fat slob lives and they're trying to call Tanya at the national championships. And Jeff is trying to convince her 
to let him get back into her life after like the 50th time they've broken up because they're in like a quintessential abusive break up get back together relationship and sean's mom is dialing the rotary phone from upstairs and the phone cord like a curly q phone cord goes like 50 feet into the basement (laughs) and the best part is sean keeps yelling up at his mom to dial to tanya and he's she's doing the rotary dial from like a stationary kitchen (laughs) and tanya's answering and being like fuck you and hanging up and they're like dial one more time and he has to like get up the energy be like mom just one more time dial that number and there's nothing mom wants to do more than dial that number for her son one more time how nice is it that yeah that part is crazy how nice is it that she can't just they're not texting back and forth like that is such an awesome there are three people involved no four people involved in what would have been a two-person text chain and the outcome of the entire back and forth is that jeff and sean get in a car and drive halfway across the country this is a different story than the one i just told you mind you (laughs) and sean sits in the back and eats a bunch of like slobbery food and beef jerky in his tidy whiteies and goes into a crazy like you know stream of consciousness just talk to himself and jeff is like raging they drive in like the Pontiac or whatever just so that Jeff can walk into the ice arena with his pencil thin mustache and his black coat and yell at Tanya while she's on the ice. Hey, Tanya, no, fuck you to like finish the conversation. Do you think that that really happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I think these people love drama. Wow. Yeah. Well, now everyone would have done that. Everyone can just go and get a boost mobile and a Samsung and like do it all over their like chat roulette. All right. Well, to find out more about living in a basement, we decided we'd call an expert. It's going to be a new feature on landline. So give us one second. We'll get that expert on the phone. has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. 30107 is not available. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Hey Max, it's Landline Podcasts. We just wanted to ask you as an expert to chime in on a couple of issues. Number 1 is living in a basement with your mother. Oh, wait, you're calling back. Landline. Hi, is this Capital One? <laughs> Why, do you owe us money? No, but when I forget to pay my uh, credit card bill, they call and I pay over the phone. Hey, it's always Ma- from some, like, you know, random city somewhere in the country, so. Well, I like that you're not saving the landline number. It makes it way more authentic. Never save it. Yeah, I don't have that many numbers saved. I don't have your number saved, actually. You just remember it? Yeah, because um, if you remember when I worked at Boston Sports Clubs, I would call you and Saul also from the uh, from their landline at the front desk when I was bored. So I memorized your number and his number. What's happening? Are you at a construction site? I'm walking through a big parking lot. Uh, on my way to the library. Hi, Max. I'm here, too. What's that? Sorry, I got a voicemail. I think I got a voicemail from 
the landline. That's pretty meta. Anna's here too, and we're here to talk to you about I, Tanya on the movie Annex. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it yet. All right, well, we need your expertise on two subjects. Yeah, came to the right place then. So the first is that there's this fat guy who his name is Sean, and he's in charge of getting the two goons to beat up Nancy Kerrigan with a telescoping baton. Yeah. And he lives in his mom's basement. And he, she kind of like waits on him, even though he's a fat slob and he's never gone anywhere and he's completely delusional. And I don't know if you remember this guy, but he was a real person and he like thought he was like an international bodyguard type and he got interviewed by co- hard copy and was like all about how imperative he was to time his protection etc cetera, etc cetera. he was jeff galuli's buddy yeah i mean i was up until i guess a year and a half ago i was living in my parents basement and one could say having similar uh delusions so yeah so that's why i wanted to i wanted to Came talk to the right place so like what I, we didn't want to ask you like you know why are you a depressing loser or anything like that it's more yeah. What what do you think it is about people who live in basements and then the really the fascination for me is people who live in basements but then boss their mom around? How does that work? Uh, well, the basement that I lived in was a finished basement. So it was basically, besides for the lack of like natural light, it was basically like a pretty nice little studio apartment. Um but yeah, what was the question? Bossing your mom around? Yeah, like what, where do people who live in basements like on their parents' dime get off bossing their mother around? Or do you think it's more of like the mother's fault for just never being able to like kick them out of the nest? Like this guy was doing, you know, classic cookie cutter basement backseat driving where his mom's making him like lasagna, almost like Will Ferrell at the end of uh, Wedding Crashers where he's like mom the meatloaf and he's sort of like bossing her around like what is that about do you think that actually exists have you ever run into anyone like that um I'm I'm sure I have I can't think of anybody off the top of my head but I would guess there's like a whole lifetime of stuff leading up to that in which the mom probably uh you know babies the person too much um when I was in the basement that's when uh, Virginia, my stepmom's mom, lived in another sort of uh, finished apartment uh, that was above the basement. And so periodically I would hear her going to the bathroom because I could tell she was walking around because I could hear her walker scraping against the floor. And then uh, towards the end of, the, of her run, I had to like go up there and help her go to the bathroom and stuff, which is pretty gross. You're a good man. All right. Yeah. I'm going to let Anna ask the next question um, as an expert that we want to talk about, which is people's behavior in movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. So, Max, we had a person behind us who maybe 10 seconds before anything came um, up in the movie would say, oh, shit, like, no, Tanya, don't do it. Really loud? I thought you might be able to shed a little light on it given your geographical location and prior experience <laughs> in movie theaters. Um, well, 
Let's see. I did recently go to uh, telling Aldo about this a while ago. I went to see that uh, kidnapping movie. I think it's called All the Money in the World. And there was these two older ladies, like a few rows uh, behind me. And uh, they, whenever something would happen, they would gasp and have some comment. Like, uh, I think at one point they cut the kid's ear off. And the one older lady almost yelled and was like, how could anybody do that? And, you know, <laughs> wanted to turn around and be like, yeah, they're kidnappers. That's what sets them apart from everybody else. Um, as far as, like, dealing with it, I don't, I don't think I've ever actually confronted anyone. But isn't that the point? Sort of like, a... the movie wants the audience to literally gasp and, and react that way? And yeah. why do I hate exactly. it so much then? Well, I mean, it's one thing to gasp. Another thing to like say anything. I mean, you're preaching the choir. If anybody makes any noise or does anything during a movie, it really upsets me. That's why I go Monday afternoons by myself. But, um, but yeah. yet it's it's still fun to go to the theaters, right? Like it's not worth staying at home. Like that's what I mean. One of the things of movie annex that we've been trying to preach forever is even though it costs us two hundred dollars to go to Applebee's, get a babysitter buy an IPA and a Reese's Pieces and go see I, Tanya, which will probably be out on video within the next two weeks and hear some people like tell us lines 10 seconds ahead of when they actually were going to come out of the actor's mouth. It's worth it. It's fun. It's a good experience. Like, do you still, I mean, you, you quintessentially believe in the movies, don't you? Yeah. I'm a little worried because like so few people go. I don't want them to go away, but I'm hoping MoviePass will help that. I don't know. I um, As far as, like, what to do when people make noise, uh, like I said, I don't think I've ever confronted anyone. Maybe that's just sort of, like, northeastern white upbringing, sort of avoid that kind of conflict. So, Austerity, that's oh, the word you're looking for. Yeah. Like, I went to see a futuristic Scarlett Johansson movie last year there was a row of teenagers behind me and it sounded like they were having a dance party in the back like there was there was no way that you could watch the movie and uh, I didn't say anything so and and there was so this woman would be like there there'd be a section of the movie where they'd be like Tanya I have important news for you and then the woman in the theater would go the Olympics are in only two years this time. And then right after that, the coach would say, the Olympics are only in two years this time. They've changed the rules. And it was like, motherfucker. Like, and if you do turn around, I mean, obviously, Max, you're rooting for me to turn around and blow up at somebody yeah. so you can hear them like quickly retort back and, and put me in my place <laughs> like once and for all and make me think my long preparatory statement, you know, that was going to work completely shits the bed. But Nobody ever why is why is it on me to say something? Why can't somebody else? Honestly, I just grabbed the mic away from Alex. I'm the one who turns around and says something. Yeah. And then Alex has to sit with me and be like, "Please <laughs> stop like turning around." I actually don't say anything. I just turn around and give the death stare. <laughs> I mean, it's society, man, you know. We're all we're all in this together. So, you know, there's people that talk during the movies and people that don't when i went to see the postman uh the guy behind me was clipping his fingernails during the movie like very audibly so 
you know, there's people that do everything. All right, well, we got to let you go because we're trying to keep it a tight show with many bits. But uh, thanks for chiming in, and we can always count on you as the expert that you are. You don't know um, how many moles of water are in uh, five grams of CUSO4, do you? <laughs> no, what's a mole? A mole? You don't know what a mole is? Jesus. No. Is it like a cube? It's a unit of measurement. Cu- is it a cubic so, cubic milliliter? No. Well, mil- a mole is it's the amount of atoms in twelve grams of carbon, but it's also used to uh, used as a unit of measurement for other uh, atoms or molecules. Are you a ra- are you a radiologist yet? No, no. I don't think I don't think that would that would work out. All right, well, we're hanging up. I know you want to talk for 45 minutes, but it's not going to happen. Oh, by the way, the only reason Max appeared on this podcast is because he wants to talk to somebody on the phone, not because he, cause oh, he yeah. cares about the production value or the success oh, of, of the show. Anna, will you tell uh, Phoebe to follow me on Snapchat also? I forgot to text you that the other day. She's kind of a ghost on that particular platform, but sure. Yeah, just just add me. No big deal. All right, what's your Snapchat name? Do you want to put it out for the podcast? Yeah, it's Ginger Lovin thirty L O V I N. Thirty when I made it, so Ginger Lovin thirty. No dick pics or anything, right? Uh, not on, not on Snapchat. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right, we're hanging up on you. Thanks for playing. Bye, Max. Okay. Good night. Bye. Fun at the movies. Bye. Bye. All right. So that was Max. Exciting as always. Thanks, Max. Thank you, Max. Remember, Max is a full guest on several podcasts in the last few months. Check it out. Wherever you listen to your shows, subscribe to the show. He actually talks about gun control at length in one episode, so that conversation at the end is not a joke, uh, as you all know. All right, so finishing up the pod here, we had a couple of epiphanies, um, some business-related, some not. The first was you decided that you'd only be willing to continue to do this with me if I was going to have a B minus or above time versus a D plus to B minus time centered around the food at Applebee's just to quickly get back to that. It was the initiating factor in what felt like a downward spiral of your attitude. And we shelled out close to $200 for this sparkling evening on the town and the second we set foot into Applebee's, a.k.a. the beginning of the date, was when you started to be a negative Nancy, a.k.a. Debbie Downer, a.k.a. Deborah. <laughs> so that's the first thing. So we decided what we're going to do is go to food that we think represents the movie. We'll more on that later. but um, Well, I think more important is that you agree to have a better time when we're on a date <laughs> well yeah it's hard not to have a good time on a date but i do think and yet you find a way i thought that i was happy go lucky enough to be able to dip my toe into the american bistro chain world and not have a meltdown the way that i do in the center of a chain supermarket sometimes but the answer was that I couldn't or complete brownout or basically all the stars had to be aligned for me not to, which is like I had to go to 
a red robin in a ski town right after some college reunion let out and that was the only bar in town so it was a bunch of people like me who didn't usually go there but happened to be there and were having a fun time with the margarita selection and that just wasn't the case it was a depressing five thirty dinner at applebee's near the lloyd center yeah 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 everyone who knows you knows that you have a way of seeing the worst in things but what i'm asking you is if the movie annex is to continue is that you have fun with it and fun with me your willing participant and your wife well i had a great time at the movies and and we, we that was a movie we were really glad we went and saw in a theater. Sometimes you think you should only be watching blockbusters in a the theater. Sometimes you just want to see an entertaining Hollywood film on the big screen. It gives it a little more gravitas. And we definitely got I would highly recommend this movie for people to go see whether they see it out or not. Um, fair enough. I agree. I agree to have a fun time and we'll tailor the next experience around that fun time. We okay. did a lot of research and we thought that this would be executed in a way that made me have a good time and I browned out. So okay, with that next time we'll bring edibles. With that being said, Alex and I have decided that we need to refine our original vision of dinner in a movie, which we didn't really get into last time, but entailed us going to chain American restaurants every single time. I don't want to do that. So neither do I. It turns out we're going to tailor our dinner choice to kind of align with the theme of the movie. So if we go see Red Sparrow, we'll go to the Russian restaurant in Portland that's got all this fanfare, and we'll comment through the eyes of Landline there. Yes. Uh, and that way you guys don't just have to hear about the iPads that are every single Applebee's and Chili's Yeah, it's like a bunch else. of depressing fat people. It's like, no. Okay. We got to find more things to, to, to bring you, our loyal listeners. All right, let's dip in quickly to the business excavator, a, you know, not used enough uh, bit here on landline. Sorry, Saul, you're out of the country, Mexico City. We all saw your Instagram post. That so pe- happy that the Playa del Sol reposted your your shot. Oyster Rockefeller Bar, or whatever it was. Someone texted me the photo. Anyways, the point is this: the business excavator. The business er, ex- the bi- er, er. Nice. Er, yeah. That's a excavator backing okay, up. Okay, let me try to do my best Brian, the voiceover guy, who will come back and read this for us in the upcoming weeks, but I'll, I'll try to do it. And now it's time for the business excavator. Er, 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 On er, Landline er, Podcast. Er, er, er. That was awful. Sorry. You're, you were great. Your part was great. Thanks, love. That's where we give you an amazing idea that we're never going to pursue that you can make a million dollars on. And ultimately, we just have too many poopy diapers and, you know, arguments over who's going to drive that day to make it happen. So the idea is this. The movie theater bento box. On our way into the theater, we were both awestruck when we saw a hot dog rotator sized hot box with a little red hat on top that contains shelves of Cheetos flavored popcorn. Just like electric orange thing in a popcorn box. With to che- me, I thought it was like literal Cheetos in a popcorn 
bag. But Alex thinks it was just popcorn covered with Cheeto dust. Who knows what it was? Who An- knows? Animal vegetable miracle. It was, you know, did they make? Did they pop it at a factory and ship it there? Did they pop it there? Did they toss a pop? We should have had. It got some. me like really thinking about what a Cheeto was, and I wish I'd never had done that. Amazing or disgusting, Cheetos. You decide. So. Ultimately, what we wouldn't have gotten the Cheetos popcorn. That's not part of it. We'd already eaten a bunch, 3 million calories at Applebee's. But here's the thing. Why do I have to get an entire box of Reese's that is still in my freezer, the leftovers Actually, of I which... just literally finished the okay. last six today. So I want a bento box that has 10 Reese's, 5 Junior Mints, 8 star f- star fuckers <laughs> what, what are those things called starbursts no the uh su- sweet and sour the little men sour patch sour kids. patch kids a little handful of popcorn a tiny mini soda and then a handle of jack daniels i want a, i mean a bento box at a movie theater is a great idea you do the math anyone would pay 12 bucks for it because it's 17 to get the popcorn and the candy and it's like things are f- more fresh things are turning over more quickly things are more colorful people are excited again who is excited about buying a cubic ton of snow caps when they go up to the concession like how many nobody m- how many moles are in that box amen so you do that and everyone in town is talking about have you been to the theater with the bento box you can get 18 months of sales out of that and ultimately if you're one of those second run theaters or you're trying to be an independent theater another great idea Slices of pizza, yeah, we get it. They work pretty well. Beer on tap, they're all doing it. But this idea of the box. But can you get a beer funneled into your butt at the concession stand? Only probably in like a San Francisco theater that is showing like only Liberace movies. Okay, But fair it's enough. insane. It's like an old opera house from the 1910s. <sighs> Let's and, go there. And it's been completely refurbished. So that's pretty much all we've got for you. That's the business excavator segment. You'll hear the business excavator again on Landline Podcast. God, Brian's good at that. Um, Any last notes? Tanya Harding, if you saw her on the street. I'd be starstruck. She's one of a kind. She's one of the greatest of all time. I think she's a complete bullshit artist. I think she lied during most of her interview. I thought this movie was so fundamentally tilted in her direction. Nobody gave a shit about Nancy Kerrigan. She was played like, you know, at, like she was a prissy bitch. She sort of looked like Aliska Dishku, the, the woman playing her. Anyways, I don't think Nancy Kerrigan is a peach either. And Tanya Harding would probably be more fun to go mud in with. Hell yeah. But, uh, you know, she made so many bad decisions and always blamed other people. So... You should see I, Tanya. Great movie, great hair, great perm, great skating, great skating scenes. Great skating Gr- scenes. Some of the best. Something r- I'm taking for granted at the moment because there has been so much fun skating to watch at the Olympics. And that's what we're going to do now. Any Johnny Weir, uh, Tara Lipinski comments before we go? I think all I'm taking away is that I enjoy their chemistry and I enjoy their bedazzled headsets. But my favorite athlete turned commenter of the Olympics, Bodie Miller, hands down. Wow. I want to say Tara Lipinski looks better now than she did when she was skating. I don't think she got an ear reduction, but obviously they've done something with her hair. To she cover filled out up. a bit. 
You think she might be fat? I think she might have gotten a perm, and I think she might be a little bit um, fatter than she was when she was a 14-year-old figure skater. Well, we've all fallen off a little bit since then. Now, we all know that Donald Trump is the real-life rendition of Biff Tannen from... Back to the Future 2. It's true. Where he owns the casino and becomes the like master of the universe and has that gambling uh, guide that Ugh, makes him so all his dark. money. It's very dark and makes uh, Marty McFly's mom get fake boobs. I would posit that Johnny Weir is the real-life rendition of Stanley Tucci's character from The Hunger Games. Hmm. So that's it. People are becoming movies and you'll hear and movies are becoming people and you'll hear about it next time on Landline, on Landline pod- podcast movie cat and next love you babies. Bye. Call Landline 503-894-8480. Leave a message. Ishi, we love you. Bye. Siskel and Ebert, go fuck yourselves. Seriously. Ishi, we love you. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. Ishii, we love you. taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline.